When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Welcome back to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast for Dentists. I'm your host today, Dr. Justin Short, and Today, I'm along with my special guest and former coaching client today, Karen D. Brar, lovingly referred to as KB, who is also the creator and moderator of the Limitless Dental Group on Facebook that you guys should all check out. So, KB, how are you doing today? Good, man. Good. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. You know, really appreciate you taking the time out to, you know, bring me on and, and we'll, we'll have a good conversation today. Yep. I'm glad you are on. I think it'll be good. So today I wanted to bring KB on because, well, for several reasons. One, I think his story will resonate with a lot of you. I think it's inspiring. I think it's good to see what is possible, even when you don't have a huge mega practice with tons of chairs and all that great stuff. But I don't want to give too much away there. And I will say, even though I truly care for, and I like all of my my clients because I I take the trust that they put in me very seriously and I take my coaching responsibility very seriously but I can say I really liked Dr. Brar from day one you know his attitude was very like yeah I can do that you know I never felt like there was a hesitation when I'd make his suggestions on changes he needed to make or that he knew he needed to make so Karen Deep and I actually started working together in August of 2018, right before he took over his practice, his first practice after graduation. So we worked together for a little over a year, and then he has taken things and been running with them from there. And today we're going to talk about some of those highs and lows and where he's at today. So KB, kick it off. Tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, when did you graduate, and and what did you do right after graduation? Sure, sure. So I am currently located in, in Pennsylvania and in Philly, but I was born and raised in Jersey. I went to school in Jersey. I've been there my whole life. Uh, ended up going to uh, Rutgers Dental School. So uh, finished that in 2017. So right after I graduated, I made the, the decision that going to a GPR wasn't something that I was too interested in doing. Um, I was very ready to like, hey, I got to work. Didn't want to do schooling anymore. Wasn't the biggest fan of dental school as probably most, most of the listeners are. Uh, it was very draining mentally. And unfortunately, the suggestions for D- GPRs weren't, were kind of all over the place. Some people had good experiences. Some people didn't have the best. I just knew that I'm a dentist now. I'm ready to work. And I don't want to be treated like a a dental student anymore. So I was like, I'm going to go to work and and then we'll figure it out from there. So I did a GPR. I know I didn't do a GPR. I went straight to work, worked for about three months locally here in Jersey. That didn't work out the best. I wasn't too happy with my location. Then I ended up going to another DSO located in Pennsylvania, actually. So that DSO, it was, it was an, it was a nice spot, but my commute was an hour 40 one way. So, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do it. 
Uh, I committed to it. That ended up being probably one of the the best decisions I'd made because during that commute one way, one, you know, hour 40, I learned so much, listened to a lot of podcasts and, and that was so critical for, for my growth as a dentist and as an entrepreneur, I learned a lot. I ended up doing that for, for about five months. And, and then I got to the point where I was ready to, to make, make another move and, and continue my, my path along dentistry. So that was kind of the gist right after graduation. Yeah. It's funny. You mention it like that when I, so I've told this story on the podcast before, you know, my first associateship did not work out like uh, many don't, some do, but my second job was an hour and a half away because I didn't want another non-compete in the area I knew I wanted to end up. And just like you, that was a turning point for me just to be able to spend that time pouring into myself, you know, via, there wasn't a ton of podcasts that back then, um, we barely had radios, but, you know, listening to books or, you know, talks or, or whatever. I mean, it was very, it was a huge time of growth that, you know, looking back, it's easy to see how things all worked out for a reason the way they did. So it's interesting we had that in common. I, I don't know if I, I knew that or not. So after graduation, you started working, you worked at a couple different places, DSO. And then how long was it before you purchased your practice? Yeah. So like I said, I graduated in 17. I worked for a few months in Jersey and then a few months in PA. So right around May of 2018 was when I officially stopped working. And I said, hey, look, I'm going to commit 100% to looking for a practice. So at that point, I wasn't working. And actually, probably around February, I was already looking for practices. And I had reached out to one practice right around March of 18. And I, 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 at that point, I was really open to working anywhere. I was just committed. I'm like, I want to practice and I don't care where. I was looking in Minnesota, Texas. I, I was like, I'm going anywhere. I don't care. I need a good practice. I'm going to go for it. And we ended up finding a practice in uh, upstate New York in Rochester. So I'm in Jersey. That's like a four and a half hour drive, but it was a good practice. It had all the potential in the world. And I said, hey, I'm going to go for it. I went there, visited the doctor. Everything went pretty smoothly, and and we thought we were going to have a deal. And the landlord didn't want to renew the lease, so that ended up being a flop right around February, March. So I was still working at at that DSO, and I found another practice, and this one was in in PA near where I was working. And same thing, went in, submitted the LOI, uh, accepted the LOI. But the, doc, the dentist had a, a change of mind and decided, hey, I'm going to work for another year or two. So I'm like, okay. Then I said, I can't do this while I'm working. And that, that was me. And I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Um, let me just commit to, to finding a practice. And uh, I went to a few different you know, other p- possible practices I was interested in. And then right around, I'd say probably like- So did you stop your DSO? Sorry to interrupt. Did you stop working at the DS? Yeah, I stopped in May. So before then, I actually had looked at two practices. Those were the two ones that fell through. I was still working at the same time. Right. And then you eventually got to the point where you're saying, I'm going balls deep and trying to find yeah. my practice. I don't need any distractions. Exactly. It's just, we're going to make it happen. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I can't do this. It's it's too many things. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm getting a practice. And so I was like, it's happening. So I, I ended that. And then 
you know, I looked at a few spots and finally, probably around, I think, July, June, met up with the, the, the owner of, of one practice in Philadelphia. You know, he was a cool guy, sent my LOI in, he accepted it, and, you know, rest is history, right? <laughs> right. So when, how did you find, how were you looking for practices when you were on this search? Yeah. So I was using a few different online brokers. Um, on the East Coast here, we, we do have a pretty big one. I'll just mention it doesn't matter. A choice transitions. At the time, they were called NPT Dental or something, but they changed. But they have a lot of listings. And if you sign up with them, you get a lot of the information. So you get the P&Ls and all that. And I was just looking through that like a madman all the time. And then, you know, Henry Shine, they also have some listings. But whatever I could get my my hands on, anything online, I didn't do kind of, you know, off-market stuff. I just was like, you know, whatever with that. But I just used all my online brokers and, and I kept looking at as many practices as I could. Gotcha. So nothing too fancy. Yeah, I think that looking at offline opportunities, I think it's got, you know, like the postcards are sending letters out. I mean, there's people doing it back then, but I think it's it's gotten more and more popular Yeah, as time goes on. So tell us, well, first, when did you close on your practice? It was, um, was it the beginning of September or into August that year? Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, we closed on, I believe it was September 10th or 9th, and I worked the following day. That was my first day, the, the next day from closing. So I moved from Jersey to Philly on the 8th, and we closed on the 9th, and then I worked on the 10th. So when I say we, it's me and my my wife. We we moved in. So the actual closing happened on on the the ninth, and and we started on the tenth. Awesome, yeah. I knew it was around then. I look back at our original, our first coaching I formed that I have from you. I think was dated August eighth, two thousand eighteen. So right about four weeks uh, before you took over, which is kind of our sweet spot of. In a perfect, it doesn't always work out like that, but in a perfect world, we like starting about that four weeks out. So tell me, you got the practice. Tell us about it. Tell us ops, location, like rural, suburban, blah, blah, blah. Tell us about your team. And if you don't mind, also tell us kind of the numbers it was doing when you took it over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a smaller practice. It was, it was a smaller practice in the suburbs of Philly, storefront super middle class, slightly below middle class, I would say area, small neighborhood. And it was three ops, three team members. So one person in the front, one assistant and one hygienist. Doctor wasn't doing any type of specialty work at all, really basic, basic dentistry. And he wasn't investing a lot in the practice. He was working about four days a week, nothing crazy. And it was a it was a fairly lean practice. I will say he he committed to staying lean. So that was one big big thing that attracted me to the practice. You know, I thought of it like, hey, look, if you can have a lean practice, um, and he was doing 500k. So I was going to get to that, but he was doing about 500k, around 38k a month. I was like, hey, if you can do a really lean practice at such a low production number, you know, sky's the limit almost. You know, it's it gives me a head start. So that was a kind of the biggest selling point to me, even though it was a smaller office, three ops, three team members, not doing a lot of work. I just saw the ability to, hey, worst case situation, I'm making more as an associate and probably working less. Worst case. So, 
you know, that's kind of why I was just very eager to get into practice ownership at that point. Yeah, I think it's much easier to, and again, not a perfect world, and it doesn't often happen this way. But, you know, when you can start out and the practice is already lean, their expenses aren't out of control, you know, it's easier to keep them that way. Now, we deal with a lot of practices, doctors who they're taking over a practice where they're inflated, you know, the expenses are bloated. And can you get them down? Sure. And, uh, and we do, but I'm not going to, you know, bull crap. It's easier for you when they're already lean. So, Absolutely. you know, I think that was, was good for you to be able to spot. You had looked at a lot of practices. You knew kind of what was out there and you were able to make the wise decision. So previous, just kind of narrow it down for everybody. So practice was three apps, three team members doing about 38,000 production per month. And the previous doc, the seller was working about four days a week. So let's call it what it is. I mean, it's frankly, it's pretty small practice, three ops, 38,000 a month. You know, and I know, I know this cause I cheated and I went back and looked at your original forms that your number one goal when we started was to double your net profit the first year, which, you know, let's call it what it is. That's a big goal. Doesn't matter if you're doing 38,000 or 80,000 or a hundred thousand, you know, to double the profit of a practice in one year is a big goal. So you purchased this practice 2000 in September, 2018. So 2019 was your first full year in practice. Tell us, if you don't mind, what kind of numbers did you do in 2019? And then also subsequently, what did you do last year, 2020? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm totally okay with the numbers. I think it, it really helps everyone who's listening understand. So yeah, practice was doing about 500K for the, you know, annually, 38 a month. 2019, we did just over a million, about a million, 18, 18,000. And 2020, we we beat that and did 1.1. So in 19, that was a, a full full year of me actually being more, a little bit more comfortable at the office. And and we did right over a million. So we did our goal of, of doubling the net. And then 2020, we did 1.1. And and that was really, really the I was really happy with the past year. You know, um one, I I don't want to bring any, you know, I don't want to make it sound like 2020 was so great. You know, it sucked for a lot of people. 2020 sucked for so many people. It, it was just a tragic year for, you know, death and everything. What I will say is we we busted our butt to do what we did in 2020. It was not easy what we did in 2020. The number one thing I will say is I was very, very happy that all of my team members, families stayed healthy and safe. You know, they didn't have any, 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 you know, things severe happen in terms of health. So when we came back after um, on the East Coast, we had about two months off due to COVID and we, we came in and we were ready to work and having two months off, we ended up doing 1.1 in 2020. And we also still took three weeks of vacation, not including those two months off. So that was when we finished this year and I talked to the team about it, it was like the looks on their face was priceless. I, I loved it. I loved seeing how how happy and and they couldn't believe it. You know, 2019 was awesome. You know, we did over a million. We we doubled production on a lot of hard work and you know, teamwork. But 2020 was special considering everything going on. So 
you know, 2020 when we did 1.1 with two months off and still keeping our three weeks of vacation, that was probably uh, really, really, you know, something that, that I'll always remember regardless of where I end up, you know? Right. No, I think that is phenomenal. I think it's awesome. And I think it's good to have, you know, like you said, 2020 is a rough year for all of us in one way or another. And I think it's, it builds confidence in yourself. You know, when you can look back, you know, 2020 is going to be a year that you can hang your hat on, you know, because you're going to have other tough years. You're going to have other tough weeks and months and being able to look back and be like, you know what? We were down like everyone else was down and we were beat up, but we came out victorious at the end of the year. And if we could do it then during a pandemic, we can do it during whatever this is. So it's just a cool I like your confidence is building, not in a prideful or boastful way, you know, but you were building up that belief in yourself. Like, Hey, we're going to experience crap. We're going to have hard times, but we can get through it and we can, you know, thrive, not just survive kind of thing. What kind of schedule do you work out? Is it still four days a week? Do you still have three ups, three team members? What is it currently? Yeah. So, I'll go back to 2019. So when I brought the practice in 2018, we had a few months and then we had our full year of 2019. The beginning of 2019, we made the decision, you know, during one of our coaching calls, I was like, one, the previous doctor worked every other Saturday. I don't want to work every, I don't want to work Saturdays. So we dropped that in, in January of 19. And also that doctor was working four days a week. And I said, Hey, I'm all about TLP, Justin. Uh, uh, your lifestyle is like, yeah, I want to go down to three days. And you're like, hey, go for it. And we had our best month, (laughs) the first month we did that. And then we followed it, followed that up with with a low month. And I I remember our conversation after that of, hey, look, you got to remember, no matter how good things are going, you have to keep that, that drive and that chip on your shoulder. Because any second, if you let your guard down, things like this will happen. And so at that moment, when we switched to three days a week, no more Saturdays, and, and we had that iffy month, I was like, it doesn't matter. We're going to just continue to grow. So we committed to the three days a week. I work Monday to Wednesday. Thursday is a hygiene only day because I'm not going to reduce my team's team. Are you still three days a week? Yeah, still three days a week. Um, didn't add any any days, and my team gets that that half day on Thursday. So, um, because I'm never going to drop their hours, I just I wouldn't do that to them. Yep. And so, just for everyone, you know, to kind of break that down, three days a week, team is seeing patients for at least half day on Thursday, three ups, you know, and doing one point one. And do you know what your overhead runs? I know it's got to be low. Yeah. So we're. Below 45%, probably 42 to 44. Love it. And I got a special place in my heart for those three up offices because that's what I worked with for most of my career. And, you know, you brought up a good point, not to get too sidetracked, but, you know, I know clients past and current hear me preach that over and over because we see that, you know, Derek talks about it too, when his first month going to three days a week was his best month ever at that time. And we see it a lot, you know, and I think the reason is, is because everyone's so geared up. Oh my gosh, I'm going down, I'm dropping some days, you know, like 
I don't want production to drop and you're, you're acutely aware of that. And then you go in and kill it because you were so on top of everything. And then we kind of take our foot off the gas, you know, like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. You know, we just had our best month ever. My first day I got this down and in doing that, you know, we go into our hygiene checks and we, we say to ourselves, ah, you know, we're, we're so busy right now. We're killing it. This can wait. I'll get this in six months. And it comes back to bite us on our, in our butt. And, and even though I warn, and I'm not saying just for you, I'm just in general for everyone else to hear is you got it. And I know everyone's like, no, that would never happen to me. It never happened to me, but it freaking happens all the time. And, you know, so often some of the best months are followed by a worse month, unless you are on top looking at it and saying, you know what, why we're cruising, I'm keeping my foot on the gas. I'm not letting up. So, so you, you know, you, you took this practice, doing 38,000 a month, roughly just under 500,000 a year, doubled it, over doubled it. You know, how did you do that? What did you do differently than the previous owner to do that? You know, just kind of tell us some of the things, you know, I have an idea because from our relationship uh, working together, but I want others to hear from your perspective of what changed, what did you do differently that they weren't doing in order to, to grow it like you did? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm going to start, you know, this off by just saying one of the podcasts you did a while ago really resonated with me. And, and you had mentioned like, hey, this is a secret to achieving any goal. And it essentially came down to every day you want to do one thing that will get you closer to your goals. So I broke it down into that. Uh, we decided, hey, we want to double the, the net profit of this practice or production, whatever, by the end of this year, the end of the first year. And so every, every goal we made or every step that I made, I wanted to get closer to that goal. So step one was to find out what production we needed to get there. Um, that was the first step. That was number one. And my first goal was, hey, let's do 5,000 a day. Okay, let's do 5,000 a day. And we started doing that. And then that bumped to six. And that bumped to seven. Now, how did we start bumping the production up? Honestly, the scheduling was really inefficient. I see it all the time. And when I see other, other dentist schedules, it's, it's a lot of fluff and a lot of BS. And, you know, if, if things are scheduled a little bit more tighter and efficiently, not running around like a maniac, you naturally will increase production. It's, there's no rocket science to it. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's as simple as that. Like if you get production lined up, you can definitely bump it up into a very efficient, efficient way. And in terms of procedures, I didn't really add much to the office. That first year, I barely did extractions. A handful of extractions I did. Didn't place any implants. Less than 10 Invisalign cases. And just a lot of just scheduling efficiently, working smart, working with my team, being on the same page. And, and we doubled the pro, you know, profit. Now, 2020... I started adding in uh, implants and doing some more extractions, not that much, but that's kind of when, when you want to get past that, that 1 million mark, unless you're super, you know, you're in great demographics, you have to start adding some of these additional procedures to bump it up. But I didn't start doing molar endo on everyone or anything crazy. I did a few more extractions, took an implant course started placing some implants. And, and even with that being said, I placed less than 10 implants in 2020. So it's still majority bread and butter, scheduling efficiently, becoming a better leader, 
getting everyone on the same page. You know, really straightforward things that if you commit to doing, they'll just start happening as long as you stay on that path. Right. Yep. I think it's, it's even more important, I think. And it's always important. But especially, you know, when you start to hit on three ops, you know, and you're hitting over that million mark, you've got to what gets you here, you know, what got you from 500 to a million. It's a great jump. But it's not going to be those same things necessarily. They take you from a million to 1.5 million or 1.3, you know, so you've got to assess, Hey, this is where we're at. This is what's going well. And now this is the area we need to tackle, which wasn't really an area to get us to this level, but now it has become an area because a lot of the low hanging fruit is, is gone. And I'm another thing you said, which I knew is the leadership aspect, you know, I'm thinking of, we just came off Super Bowl. Tom Brady, you know, moves to new team, first year, win the Super Bowl. It wasn't that Brady was like, I mean, he's good, you know, but it, it wasn't like it was his best game ever that won that game or made them win the Super Bowl that year. It's, he's good, but it's also the leadership. You know, a new mindset came in there that made that team believe, hey, we can go in this thing. You know, we can win it all now. And I think really, to me, that was the biggest takeaway that I thought was cool with with him winning is winners win. And that mindset change means everything to some extent. And I know they had that change um, going from the past owner. And I'm not talking bad about the seller who sold to you. You know, sounds like a good guy. It's just that wasn't his mentality. And Nothing wrong with that, but to go in and win, we often need a different mentality. So I do want to add one thing, Justin, you know, just like you said, the mindset, you know, that is the one thing I I probably briefly went over it. The coaching changed my mindset. And, And I want to make that super clear to everyone. Like you mentioned, mindset was probably the number one reason we, we did what we did. I finally accepted that, Hey, I can do this. Um, and I have a coach who really believes in me, who's done it, and I can do it. And once you start changing your mindset, then all of a sudden you start making these small steps and you start seeing things happen and it changes everything. You start getting a lot of confidence. And once you start building that confidence, you know, it just changes everything. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It really, the mindset is the, is a foundation of why we did what we did, the scheduling, all that, those were the steps, but once I got my mindset in the right place, everything changed. Everything changed. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for, for saying that. And that's exactly how I was. We you know I got my first coach, you know, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago now, you know, and our practice started, my practice started to grow. Same thing, three ops, three team members. And we had doubled in size. And, you know, one of my best friends from dental school was like, what's different? What's changed? And it was really hard, you know, just like you. I could point out some things we were doing differently, but I was like, everything's changed because I've changed and it's hard to put into words. But, you know, I think if you have to pick one, which thankfully we don't, but if you have to pick between scheduling and mindset, pick mindset Absolutely. because you could have the best scheduling in the world, but coupled with the wrong mindset of not knowing where we want to go, you're not going to go far or nearly as far. And I think that's one of the ways you've excelled. I mean, even 
you've reached out several times um, unsolicited since we finished just to kind of fill me in, which I love and I always appreciate, but you know, I can tell like, you know, sky's the limit because your mind's in the right place. Now you've grown. I mean, the way you've grown, let's be honest, you made it look easy at times, but it wasn't easy. I mean, it takes work to do what you did. So what were the, some of the biggest challenges or obstacles you faced? Cause I don't want to give people this idea. It's like, Oh, you know, you, you get the right mindset or you get the right coach and it's just all so easy. And it's just, you know, it's a no brainer to double your practice. Cause it's not, it takes a lot of hard work. What's something, what are some of the obstacles you face or something you didn't know at that point that you wish you would have looking back? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it, it was absolutely not easy. That's why we see so many of these underperforming practices, not because the dentist doesn't do a great job, not because their, you know, crown preps don't look beautiful or anything like that. It's just because one, accountability, and two, not doing what you need to do, right? So example, if, if I go into a room and my hygienist knows she needs to take intraoral pictures so we can help you know, diagnose what we need to do. I can get in and out and the patient understands what's going on and she doesn't take it, but I don't say anything. That's going to be a problem moving forward. And it sucks to have to talk to her about that because, you know, maybe she has a good response, X, Y, Z. It can be annoying. So I would say the biggest challenge was just understanding that we need to constantly have these difficult conversations with our team members on what needs to get done. And the longer I wait, the longer it's going to take me to get to where I got to get to. And the only person I can look at for that is, is myself. It's my fault. So, you know, that was probably the biggest challenge of like saying, hey, no matter what, if I know something's wrong, I got to address it right away. And and that's something I got better at, better at as, as I started, you know, building my confidence. So that's number one for, for a lot of people, I think, is just to you know, understand those difficult conversations are really gonna, gonna make or break your practice. You know, it's a sim- it's, it's almost as simple as that, you know? Right. It is, but it's hard. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. You know, we are huge believers in keeping short accounts, you know, like don't let it fester over months and months to the point. Like every time you, you see that hygienist, your blood starts to boil, keep it short, you know, like, Hey, this didn't go well today, or you didn't get what, you know, to get, and you know, I needed for that patient. So, you know, what's the deal? How is that? What can we do to fix it? And let's move forward. And I love you. And I'm not mad about it anymore, but you're doing it the right way now. So, yeah, I think that that is a great one. And it's a muscle, you know, just like working out the first time you have that conversation to hold the team member accountable. Hey, you showed up late. Hey, you didn't do this. Hey, you didn't get what, you know, we talked about that I need. It's hard. Second time, it's hard. Third time, it gets a little bit easier, but still hard. Fourth, you know, and after you've done it 10 or 15 times, it becomes second nature. And you have a team that knows like, hey, boss isn't mad at me. If I they have something wrong with me, they're going to talk to me about it. We'll get, we'll work on it. We'll move on. And I know they care about me. But again, it sounds easy, but it's not, you know. So I think that's a great point. So moving on, you know, we, we know the practice sounds like it's, it's kicking butt. What are you doing now? I know you've purchased some other practices. Tell us a little bit about that journey and what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So after 2020, so after this past or towards the middle of 2020, I really started to think about, Hey, where am I headed? 
you know, making money as a dentist, doing all that good stuff. It, it's great. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm so blessed. I don't take any of this, anything for granted. But at the same time, I was so stuck in my mindset. I'm going to go back to mindset. My mindset was so limited before I met you. It took me to the next level. And I realized that, hey, that's one level, but there's multiple levels to everything. You know, there's levels to your health, there's levels to your success as an entrepreneur, levels to your success in dentistry. And if you don't constantly push those levels, you're going to stay in the same spot. So I realized that, hey, I'm ready to, to take my practice to the next level or my, my dental career to the next level. And I wanted to challenge myself um, with multiple practices. One, because I also don't want to be doing clinical dentistry my whole life. And two, because I have that, I'm a little bit more, just like a lot of, lot of your listeners, we have that entrepreneurial itch to, you know, try different things and, and build our wealth through different assets, things like that. And I was like, hey, I know dentistry. I know the numbers. I did it. I'm not special in terms of I'm the most charismatic guy in the room. I don't do anything like that. Hey, I'm a nice guy. I, I, I do what I have to do. I treat everyone with respect. But you know, I didn't feel like I'm. There's anything magical about me, so I was like, "Hey, look at the success I had. Let me let me push myself and let me try to get some other practices, become an absentee owner, possibly moving forward." And you know, we're I was very fortunate in 2020 to acquire two two more practices. So that's kind of what led me towards that route. And how have they been going so far? How are you finding these practices? Yeah. So I'm really a simple guy when it comes to finding the practices, right? I went back to my online brokers and I just looked at a ton of practices. One I found through Henry Shine, the other through Choice Transitions, the place I'd originally used my, uh, found my practice through. And the one practice, the one we most recently closed on, which was closed on in December 1st, 2020, that one was historically doing 1.1. The other practice we clo- closed on in September of of 2020 and that one you know unfortunately the the previous dentist had passed away and it was closed for about four to five months and we ended up acquiring that one now that practice after january and midway through february is on place to do close to a million and the one that was most recently acquired in december that's still on pace to maintain its 1.1 so uh, things have been you know headed in the right direction. Not saying it hasn't been tough. These past two months have been crazy. Let me tell you that uh, without a doubt. Uh, but, you know, very blessed that things have been headed in the right direction. Yeah. No, it's definitely a lot of work. And then you are, I know you have a younger brother who just graduated not too long ago. So is he partnering with you and these other two or how does that relationship work out? Yeah. Yeah. So um, me and my younger brother have a great relationship, you know, obviously like I'm sure a lot of people have with their brothers, but I had a lot of deep conversations with him when he was in dental school. He was jumping all over the place. He wasn't sure what he wanted. Just like a lot of us, we don't know what we want. And he ultimately decided, Hey, I want to go for practice ownership. And we decided, Hey, you want to come in with me? Let's go for it. He is my partner. And on all three of these practices, and moving forward, I plan on continuing to grow with him. So, you know, he, he's, he's in on these practices with me. He actually works at one of the practices and the other one we have an associate at. 
So the bigger practice, the 1.1 that we recently closed, we have an associate and my younger brother works at the one uh, that we had bought a little bit earlier in September. Awesome. Do you have a goal of like how many you guys would like to have? Kind of, kind of just tell me what's the long play here, where you headed, not just with multi-practice ownership, but just kind of with everything, you know, what's, what's your long-term goals? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm still so early in, in this game of, of dentistry that long-term goals, they're not the most well-defined, but I will say is I entered apps, you know, multi-practice ownership to gain flexibility with, with maybe pursuing other things in my life. So if I'm not working on patients, that frees me up to do other things. So how many practices we get? I don't know. It might be 10, 20, 30, or we might end up, you know, at four or five. It really depends on both of us. And it's very much dictated on lifestyle. That's why I signed up with, with you, Justin, in the beginning was because of the lifestyle practice. I have non-negotiables just like everyone else should have. And that's my wife and my family, uh, my parents, my brother. Like if, if I have to give up my time with them, it's not going to happen. So everything I'm doing right now is, is pushing myself, but also understanding I'm not going to sacrifice those things in my life. So we're trying to strategically set up our multi-practice ownership where it doesn't impact our lifestyles, but we don't know, you know, like certain things you have to sacrifice. There's no, you can't, you can't just say, Hey, I'm not going to sacrifice anything and, and own a bunch of multi own a bunch of practices and have success, but have all the time in the world too. So, you know, we're, we're learning that as we go on, but we're being very smart with, with everything we implement, knowing that we have these non-negotiables and that stuff will never change. So that's super important to me. And Ultimately, I always remember, and I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, kiss your ass or anything, but, uh, you know, I, I remember. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I remember when I signed up with you, how much my mindset changed and how much my life, the trajectory of my life has changed since then. And I would love the opportunity that hopefully help some, you know, some of my colleagues too, that way too, because it's crazy. You know, I was so stuck on like, hey, man, you just make your 250, call it a day, work your, you know, four days a week. And I'm not saying it's all about money, but my my limits on what I could achieve were so little. And that's why the dental group's called Limitless. I want, you know, as many people to understand that, hey, you can do whatever you want. And as boring as it sounds with mindset, it really does start with mindset. And that's something that a lot of times you have to learn through coaching or consulting. So you know, that's something I'm hoping in the future, possibly I can get into and, and make the impact that you had on my life on, on someone else's life as well. Right. I appreciate that. I mean, I think you'll make, definitely make a great coach and help a lot of people. And I'm not just saying this. I mean, there's a lot that I kind of want to unpack real quickly from what you said. I'm going to kind of go in reverse. You know, I appreciate you saying that about me. I know you weren't kissing butter to say anything, but I was the same way. I mean, Bill Blatchford, who works for a different coaching firm was my original coach and he changed my life. And I'm not afraid to say that because I know there are even some of our clients and whatever. I don't get butthurt about it. I don't lose sleep about it. I don't care. But you know, it's almost like people get afraid to say, Hey, someone else helped me to get there. And you know, I had a lot of people help me get 
to where I wanted to go and to where my life ultimately is. And I'm fine with giving credit where credit is due. I'm not scared of, oh my gosh, if I tell other people, other people help me, they're going to go use them and they're not going to use TLP. You know what? If that's the case, go for it. It's still the truth. I just have more respect for people who don't have that scarcity mindset of, oh my gosh, if I mention someone else, no one's going to use me. They're going to go work with them. Like, whatever. I don't care. And that happens. It happens. That person still affected my life in a positive way. So another thing I liked, you know, that you said is you don't know exactly what the long-term goal is, but you do know the more profitable, the more you think you have things in line now when you're young, the more options you're going to have as you get older. You may not know exactly the last chapter or the second half of the book, but you know now's the time to set the groundwork. And I think that's good. Another thing you mentioned, like, yeah, just like me, I have non-negotiables, but it took extra work to get to the point of not having to work all the time in the beginning. And there was definitely times when my life was out of balance, just like yours. You know, when you just take over two practices, plus you already have one in the last five, six months, you're not balanced. You know, you're working hard, you know, the work day doesn't start at eight. One thing I loved, just an aside, and this is something most people wouldn't notice, you know, when we were setting up this podcast, you know, we're in Florida, we have some people visiting, you're working. One of the options you gave me was eight o'clock or after on a Friday night. And I freaking love that because so many people were like, oh, you know, it's, it's five o'clock. I can't do anything after five o'clock, especially on a Friday night, you know, Friday nights where I got to go out and get my, uh, my drink on or whatever it is. And no, you know, like sometimes it is. Yeah. But there's a time, you know, and there's a season for each of us. And there are many times where I was out of balance. But I think the difference is when you have a goal, when you know what I'm out of balance for. When I was starting TLP by myself, 2016, I was severely out of balance. It hurt. I wouldn't say it hurt my relationships, but put a lot of relationships on the back burner and even my wife. Uh, to an extent. And, you know, we had to have a talk. I had to let her know, like, hey, I know you you don't see it yet, but if things go the way I'm hoping they will, life will be even better on the other side. And she trusted me, and it was. But there was definitely a period of, of unbalance. And I think that's okay if you have a goal that you're working towards. So just kind of wrap this up. You know, I think it's an exciting story. I think you're in good embodiment of what can be done, you know, when you believe and you know, hey, anything's possible. Some stuff is going to require more work, but I know it's possible. What advice would you give new practice owners where you were just two and a half, three years ago, just getting ready to purchase their first practice or they're just getting ready to graduate? What would you go back and tell the KB of 2017 if you could go back? Yeah, yeah. In terms of any advice for for these new practice owners, I would say it all starts with accountability. So you need to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I put in the work to find this practice and I'm ready to move on it. If you can do it, go for it. But don't give yourself a half-ass answer like, yeah, I kind of looked and this looks decent. Let me go for it. And then if it doesn't work out, the first person you should look at is yourself. So, you know, put in the time and only, you know, if you put in the time, 
So that's a constant thing. I, I talk to a lot of dentists too, and I try to help out as much as I can. And, you know, certain things you should know, like you should know what to look for in hygiene. You should know certain things. And if you're coming to me asking for it, you have a lot more work to do. And that's just being honest. So only you can do that if you're looking for practice. Now, if you're past that point and you're like, hey, I put in the time, I'm ready for it. I would say, great. You still need someone to hold you accountable because what's going to happen is you're going to have those days where it sucks and it's tough and your wife or your, your husband or whoever isn't happy because you're not around and you have no one to kind of keep you on track except for yourself. And if you've never been in that situation, you're going to think, hey, owning a practice sucks because it's always stressful and nothing goes right. But that's not the case. You need to struggle to, to have success and you also need to stay accountable. Now, what hap- what worked great for me was I had you. You held me accountable. I was like, shit, I got to talk to Justin. And if I tell him I didn't do this, he's going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> so I needed that. I really, I really needed that in my life at that point. And I think a lot of people do because we don't, we don't really experience that in dental school. And, you know, thinking about it, we're dentists, man. We have, we have a great life. Everything's awesome. Like, you know, you might have some struggles as, as a young, you know, when you were younger, as, as I, as I had too, I doubted myself and what I could accomplish, but that wasn't enough to make me truly accountable. I needed someone. So, you know, if you put in the work and you're ready to go for that practice, definitely try to get a second set of eyes or someone who's really going to hold you accountable. I, I think that's really, really important. The little things in terms of increasing your practices, production and becoming more profitable, um, that stuff's not rocket science. Everyone knows what it, what's required to do it but not many people actually want to do it. And when you have someone keeping you accountable, you get shit done. And I'm sorry for, for you know, semi-cursing. But it's just how I, you know. No, I think that's full-blown cursing. No, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you know, people... uh, that's just, that's kind of like my recommendation is be honest with yourself and then, you know, don't be scared to get help because it's, it's really nice, you know, to have someone who's, who's there and and who really cares about you having success because, you know, that just kind of gives you that kick in the butt to, to keep going and, and working hard. Well, good. I think that's good advice. Yeah. I think it's hard even to, I mean, if you really want to grow, if you really want the things you say you want, you'll go for the accountability, you know, whether it's working out or growing your practice or doing anything else in life, you know, if you really want to change, you'll get people to hold you accountable. If you don't, You'll make excuses of why you don't need that. And that's it. You know, are there people who have achieved success without others holding them accountable? Sure. But I guarantee if you could line up all the people who say they want something and want to achieve something and you put people, you're going to have a higher, much higher percentage of people who said, you know what? I want it so bad that I put people in my life to help me get there and keep me accountable. Even though it was a pain in the butt, maybe even if it cost me some money even whatever, you know, that means to me, it means you're serious and you were, and it's paid off and it will continue to pay off. And, you know, I think one of my favorite parts of your story that we are big in, because I felt like the person who coached me was big in, big in too, was you've ran with it once we were done. You know, it's not, you know, we don't want people to only be successful when we're working together. You know, now you've got other people that are keeping, you know, you've, you've got your brother 
and if not others. So you've taken the ball and you ran with it. And, you know, we always love to see that. And I'm excited to see where it's going to be uh, many years from now. So you'll probably way surpass old Dr. Short. And, <laughs> nah. which is, nothing will make me happier. So love to see it. I love to see this success. And, you know, I think your story is good and it's only going to get better. And I hope that it encourages and inspires others. So before I wrap up, anything you wanted to add, final words or anything? No, I just, uh, you know, I completely agree with everything you said. And I think it's really important, like you said, that we just accept that it's okay to have help. And I still remember when I signed up with you, you used the reference of if Michael Jordan or, or Tiger Woods needs a coach, who the hell am I to say that I don't need a coach, right? It's, it's kind of crazy. So that little concept just changed my whole view. And and you're absolutely right. I still have coaches and, you know, people I look at. I know Derek mentioned, like, you don't need to actually physically have, like, a mentor. You can just read a book, right? So um, do anything that just keeps you motivated and, and do it consistently, you know, whether it be watching videos on people you really respect or listening to podcasts. Do it consistently because those are your coaches at the end of the day because you have to listen to them talking about all these great things they're doing and then you have to go home. And say, hey, am I actually doing any of this or am I just, you know, lying to myself? Right. Yep. I think that's good advice. And I think for some, that definitely works very well. I think where it comes down to is, like you said, looking yourself in the mirror and being willing to be honest. Because let's be honest, it's much easier to lie to a book and say you're putting in 100% (laughs) than it is, you know, some a friend or a coach or whatever who's standing there saying, hey, did you do this? You know, we committed to this. Did it happen? So. Great wisdom. Appreciate you being on today, man. It's always great to connect. And, you know, for anyone else out there, if you have any questions, you want to talk to myself or Derek or Steve, please email us at Justin Derek Steve at the lifestyle practice.com. You know, and just take away, don't make excuses. You know, go out there. If you got goals, set those goals, write them down. Take away anything that may be a crutch or an excuse and freaking go conquer. So until next week, thanks. Peace.